welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. We've decided to do a Western podcast again because it was done in the last podcast and we figured why not take another crack at it. So we've had a lot of requests from people who've said, let's hear that one again because it's gone. So uh, we're going to do that today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is what's amazing is this is one of the very, very, very few cough, maybe only cough movie genres where Dave is both more knowledgeable and has seen more than I have. Mm-hmm. Well, Which I is don't... why I always like doing this. Yeah. I also don't know how ma- if you've seen... If I've seen more westerns than you, I just feel like I might have seen we've seen different westerns. So this is going to be we were kind of comparing lists in the sense that I told Sean what my list was before, just to make sure we knew where our doubles lined up, and we have very right. few doubles. So I'm very curious to see what what is on Sean's list here. So uh, yeah. the last time we did one of these, I did it as my as a solo podcast because Sean was away, and so this was something that I could do on my own because not a lot of I am more of a Western guy than Sean is, so... Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I feel like we may have talked about it one day as well to add me in. I think so, too, I yeah. I think. Yeah. But so. that was also during the last podcast. Exactly. It's been 180 episodes since we've done a Western-themed podcast, so we figured it was time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Dave and I compared our ideal ponchos and both agreed that mine was so much sweeter... So I get to go first. It's true. Sean's got, he's got a real eye when it comes to ponchos. My poncho ideas, if, if anyone out there is looking to purchase a poncho, hit me up on Twitter. I can totally call it out for you. There you go. See? Sean's helpful always. Always. My first honorable mention is Sukiyaki Western Django. <laughs> okay. Now... How many of your westerns are Japanese? Just this one. Okay, cool. Hey, Sean, what's Sukiyaki Django? Western I know there's a word. Django? Oh, I wasn't sure. I was like... <laughs> the I word second... you missed was western. <laughs> I second-guessed myself on it because it didn't make... I was like, Sukiyaki western Django? Uh, that can't be right. Dang it. Well, because it's it's Sukiyaki. If you think Sukiyaki, you think spaghetti, right? Oh, okay. Spaghetti western right. Django. Mm-hmm. It is by Takashi Miike, okay. who is a crazy director who makes super cool, weird horror movies and strange, visually striking movies, okay. especially. Um, did you ever watch Audition with me? I don't think so. Mm. Audition's one of his, Ishii the Killer, 13 Assassins. Okay. Anyway, Quentin Tarantino is in it. Interesting. And also, I believe, produced it. It is uh-huh. a revolver-wielding stranger crosses paths with two warring clans who are both on the hunt for a hidden treasure in a remote western town. Okay. So he offers up his services because he is, like, the best gunfighter. Slash, this is also kind of a kung fu movie, but there's a lot of guns. Anyway, mm-hmm. he offers up his services to whichever side will give him the most. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's kind of cool. What a, what an interesting concept. So yeah, it's a highly stylized Japanese Western with an 18A rating that tells you how gory and kind of crazy it is. Cool. And yeah, I really liked it. Nice. So. I will keep an eye out for it. 
Uh, cool. I'm at calling a little bit of an audible, but uh, since we're talking about Django, I'm going to actually just talk about Django Unchained because I really like that one, and it's a uh, different take on the Westerns, but it's also Quentin Tarantino, so it just kind of made sense to slot it in here. Sure. It's Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz who have basically... Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx's character Django is a has was enslaved and was freed by Christoph Waltz, and they're going around and basically Christoph Waltz is a bounty hunter and teaches Jamie Foxx as Django how to be a killer, and they work as a team and it's great and they're in search of Jamie Foxx's wife, and it's a pretty good film. It's interesting to see Christoph Waltz play a good guy. Having come off Inglorious Bastards, where he is playing such a rotten character, but he's kind of still got the exact same personality, which is interesting. But it's yeah. that same personality, but on a good guy side, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I wasn't as fond of that one. I found it drug in a few places. Okay, and that that is true. I do I do understand your sentiment there. There are points where it could have kind of sped up a little bit, and I... I Sometimes that is a little downfall of Tarantino's is that he just tends to to let things go a little bit long. But um, I also felt like that's why it would make sense as a as an honorable mention, just because it that's was totally fair. Yeah, it's not your standard western, and it's good, but it's not as good as a lot of the other ones that I have on my list here. So I think it also might have been it was his first film without Sally his regular editor who edited every movie he did up until then but she passed away oh. so then he needed a new editor and i i don't know that the one who did django got the hang of a tarantino pace right the same way that sally got it mhm so yeah okay interesting that that makes sense uh my second honorable mention is specifically an honorable mention because IMDb lists it as a western and I kind of agree that it's sort of a western but it's also kind of a civil war movie okay but it's got some western it has some of that kind of old west train chase element to it okay uh and that is the general the from general. 1926 oh interesting okay uh it's a Buster Keaton film oh so Union spies steal an engineer's locomotive, and he pursues it single-handedly and straight through enemy lines to get it back. Cool. So I just... Because IMDb was had it listed as a Western as well, and because it's kind of... It is the right time period, but it's not... It's not like cowboys and stuff, mm-hmm. but it is still that old West train, steam train having to go through bridges and there's native americans and like there's there is all of those kind of elements still okay but uh, is it a western is it not i don't know that's why i threw it in honorable mention okay fair enough and that's kind of why i like sometimes it's nice to have the honorable mention section for things like that uh because mine my second honorable mention is the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford which is technically a Western, but it's a very different style of Western. It's a very slow pace, and it's it's not quite as shoot 'em up It's not quite as graphic. It's a lot more artistically done, and tells a lot more of a story, and it's a phenomenal film. But it's not... very pretty. Very, very pretty, and a lot of it was shot 
in Alberta and, you know, around my hometown. And, and, uh, so it's, it's a very, very nice film and I really enjoy it. It's just, it's not the, it's not your prototypical Western. And so I felt like the honorable mention is a great spot for it because I really like that movie, but not as much as I like basically everything else that quantifies as a true Western. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, Brad Pitt plays a very subdued Jesse James, and there's a lot of tremendous actors in it, and very cool story, and it's just, it's long and drawn out, and... Um, a lot of wheat. Yeah. Like tall grass and wheat. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of standing of just in it. hiding out in, in houses, waiting for winter to end sort of thing, and it's just a, it's a very odd version of a Western, but also a very beautiful film. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah. So now into the list proper. Yes, sir. My number 10 mm-hmm. is Little Big Man. Ah, uh, you know what? I haven't seen that one. Ah. Uh, but it came up on the weekend. We were at my family cabin and we were talking about westerns, oddly enough. And, and I don't find that surprising at all. Right? I know. We were sitting around the fire talking about, talking about westerns. And, and I think it was my dad who was talking about Little Big Man. And it's another one of those ones that you aren't sure whether it really qualifies as a western from what I understand. Oh, no, it totally is. Oh, okay. No, well. it totally is. In any case, I've heard it's very good. And it was one of the, my parents and I used to, uh, my family used to do Sunday night movies. We'd rent a movie and just watch it as a family. And Little Big Man was on that list. It just never got to a time where we could watch it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, but I've heard it's really cool. Like, my dad told me it's kind of like Forrest Gump in the sense, just in the sense that all these different historical events that take place, he's there. Like, he was at the Battle of of, um, uh, Custer's Last Stand, right? And there was something else where he was. And, like, all these different historical events that happened as Western, you know, in the the Old West, he was there, right? So I'm like, oh, that's really cool. It's a really neat concept. Yeah, it's essentially a, like a, a collector of oral histories goes to see Jack Crabb, who's played by uh, Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Uh, who is tw- 121 okay. when the film starts. So then it's it's about his... He was captured and then raised by Native Americans. He becomes a gunslinger. Then he marries one of the Native American women and then watches her get killed by Custer. And okay. then becomes a scout for Custer. And then he's at Little Bighorn. And yeah. So yeah, it it's totally it is a western. Nice. It's just it's a seventies western. Like it's mm-hmm. really the late sixties, early seventies western, made in nineteen seventy. Right. It's got Faye Dunaway in it, Chief Dan George. Nice. It no, it's it's really good. Whenever it, you have a chance to see it, Dave, I do think you would I, enjoy it. I absolutely will. It's one of those ones where when I have the chance to see it, I will watch it because I've been wanting to see it since I was 15 years old. And just the opportunities yeah. never really come up. So it will happen at some point. It's just a matter of when it's either on TV or on Netflix or wherever it's accessible. So that That's is, fair. Yeah, that is one I'm looking towards. Uh, but, I mean, it's Dustin Hoffman when he plays at the – the bulk of it he's got to be a young man right so it would be it would make yep. sense that it was kind of the the early part of his career there so yeah it was very cool my so yeah, num- that's mine cool my number 10 is the quick and the dead um the sam cool. raimi version because i think there's another movie of the same title i think so but i don't know for sure but i'm, I'm pretty certain anyway the one i'm i'm talking about is the one with Sharon Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio and Gene Hackman and Russell Crowe and all Gary Sinise has a small part in it. It's just basically it's about a town that every year has a has a 
gunfight competition to see who's the best gunfighter in the town and and uh, Gene Hackman plays the evil mayor of the town and he's just despicable which makes him a really great character and um, uh, Sharon Stone is you find out through the movie that and it's pretty early in the movie that you can tell that you know why she's coming to town but she's basically there to kill Gene Hackman because her because he killed her dad who was played by Gary Sinise and so she just wants vengeance and it's uh yep. it's a, a great movie Sam Raimi so that's you know you know there's going to be some weird kind of quick cuts and everything and close-ups of weird things and and um you know it's yeah, just that, this was 94 something like that yeah I think yeah so it's it's not kind of refined Sam Raimi yet. It's still kind of the experimental mm-hmm. I'm still trying stuff and using cameras with boards run through them with two crew members running around to give you shots and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's um it's it's a it's a good film and uh what I really love is that Sam Raimi in his movies always uses the car that he like his first car. You know, yep. it was it was Ash's car when they were on the way to the 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 cabin in the woods and so in a western they actually disguised it as the the ammunitions cart or cart that gets drawn by horses so yeah um just a nice little cool little story that goes along with that one so it's a good movie it's it hasn't held up as well as some of the other ones on this list which is why it's one of the higher ones but it's still That's fair you know it's a movie about shootouts and leonardo dicaprio is pretty young in it and and uh, russell crowe is just kind of starting to become famous and some some really good performances in it so yeah. Yeah. Well, it is it is that early 90s yeah. kind of feel to it, right? Yeah. Like no, admittedly, not every movie can be Twister Dave. They can't hold up flawlessly through the decades. Uh-huh. It's true. <laughs> not complete every movie uh. can be Twister. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish I could have talked you into having that as a western. I would have taken some convincing. They're modern cowboys, Dave. They ride the range <laughs> just looking for weather. They're trying to wrangle that tornado. There you go. I like it. There's a character named Dusty. That is just true. like all the best westerns. Yeah, that is true. That would have been your best argument, actually. <laughs> Everything comes down to Philip Seymour Hoffman. You're not wrong. <sighs> Nine, I think. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Rio Bravo. Mm-hmm. That's John Wayne, right? Western you've never seen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, John Wayne is one of those guys that I haven't seen a lot, a lot of his stuff, just because. I mean, I know they're on a lot, but there's other westerns that I would have rather gotten to before. But I also understand that he is kind of the western guy. Well, one of yeah, the western guys. Much. Well, he didn't really do much. He wasn't really great in anything else. Yeah, he's done, like, a couple war movies. He had done a couple other war movies, too, right? But, like, those were kind of his bread and butter were, were westerns. westerns. Yeah, yes. so. I know we've talked about Rio Bravo before, but remind me of which one that is. Uh, this is John Wayne, Dean Martin, and Ricky Nelson. Okay. Uh, it's directed by Howard Hawks. This is about a small-town sheriff who enlists the help of a cripple, a drunk, and a young gunfighter in his efforts to hold the jail... Um, because the brother of the local, like, bad guy, tough, or whatever, he's holding him in jail, and so a posse's coming in, and he needs help, so he needs the help of a cripple and a drunk and a kid. 
basically. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Dean Martin plays the drunk. Surprise, surprise. Sure. That's really tough acting stretch for him. Oh, yeah. Well, but that's when Dean Martin's at his best, when he's just allowed to be Dean Martin. This totally. is basically just Dean Martin in a cowboy outfit who sort of shoots. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah. Uh, there is some singing in it. There's... It's I mean, gu- good all the best gunfights. all the best westerns have singing in them. If we've learned anything uh, from Paint Your Wagon, I'm just disappointed you didn't say Seven Brides for Seven Brothers there. Ah, I was trying to get get a Simpsons reference in, but yeah, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is also a singing western, which is amazing. See, I had you covered though because the main female in Rio Bravo, Feathers, is played by Angie Dickinson. Ah, nice. Which you go to the hypnotist episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Now I want you to be famous poet Emily Dis- Dickinson. Snaps Look at his me, fingers. I'm Angie Look. Dickinson. Yeah, get well, out of my way. <laughs> yeah. Ah, crap. Well, I blew it. I think my my biggest aversion to John Wayne is that he just he's not a good actor. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be to be in westerns, and there's going to be some examples coming down the line here where I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's fair. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know, he's got that drawl, and there's just something about him that I I just find a little, I, I'm a, I have an aversion to it, and I don't know why I really shouldn't, and I know I should watch some of those movies, and I will just to flesh out my, my Western education. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so see Rio that, Bravo, see The Searchers. Right. I think The Searchers might be on my coach. TV, actually. I think I've got it on my PVR. It should be. I've told you about it a few times when it's been I think on you TCM. have. So I'll double check once we're done here. And uh, let's see. Actually, I can. Oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm sure it's on there. Um, okay. So yeah, Rio Bravo. It's one of the ones that I know I should watch, and I, I will at some point. It's just a matter of, again, when. Well, look, look at it this way it's a Western that Sean likes enough to have on a top 10 list. Totally. Yeah. Right? So it's fun. Mm-hmm. As cool. long as well, you're in for drunk Gene Martin. Cause, I'm, I'm always yeah. in for drunk Gene Martin. Perfect. Great. My number nine is The Long Riders. I've already talked about Jesse James, so this is another Jesse James movie. But what's really cool about this one, so this one's from 1980. And, yeah, it's about the the James Younger gang. And what's really cool about this one is that brothers play brothers in the movie. So Stacy and James Keach play, I think they play um, the, the, the James brothers. So, um, yeah, Stacy Keach plays Frank James, so uh, James Keach plays Jesse James. But the, the Carradine brothers, so David Carradine and Keith Carradine and Robert Carradine play the younger brothers. And the Randy Quaid and Dennis, play, Dennis Quaid play the Miller brothers. And so it's brothers playing brothers in this movie, which is just kind of a neat idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and it's a very good movie, and it's just about kind of Jesse James and, and his gang and the banks that they rob and everything like that. So, I mean, there's not much more to it than just it's about the James gang, but it's arguably the most famous gang that was out there as far as Westerns go. So it's certainly worth watching, and it's just – it's a harder one to find. I watched it years ago on VHS. My dad told me about this movie, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. And I, I rented it one day on tape from huh. our video store, which I don't even know what it was called at that point. We didn't have a Blockbuster, but whatever what whatever so it was called. it was like was a called. VHQ or – uh, yeah, movie gallery or whatever it was, whatever incarnation it was at that point. Right. I, I rented it from there and haven't 
seen it on TV since. I haven't seen it on DVD. Like it's one of those ones that it's been tricky to find, but it's a it's a really really interesting movie. So uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Man, it is so weird being on the other side of the me side of these. <laughs> like I realize I said Sukiyaki Western Django, which yeah. is not super well known or easy to find. Mm-hmm. But like even you're recommending movies that are hard to find, right? I know. Like it's uh westerns. <laughs> I mean, the rest of mine are all pretty well-known westerns, so I'm not too concerned. That's the the most obscure one, I think, is that guy. That's fair. Yeah. My number eight is The Revenant. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because it's totally a western. I didn't even think about that as a western. Yeah. Because it's not... I get the idea if you only consider movies about cowboys as a western, but this is about a frontiersman fur trader. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, what's more Western than 1820s and mauled by a bear and there's a lot of Native Americans in it and, like, the no. fur outposts and, yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. I just I, I just looked on my IMDb and I hadn't had it rated. So, I'm not sure. It, it might have snuck into my top ten. It might have been up at number ten. So, I'm not devastated that I missed that one. Like, there's been other times where we've gone through our list and... You've come to your number one, and I've just gone, how did I forget that stupid movie? You mean like Jurassic Park? I don't want to talk about it. But this one, I'm not quite as upset about having missed, because it wouldn't have been able to crack my top eight. But uh, yeah, no, The Revenant is definitely a Western, and it's a very good film. Yeah, I really liked it. I way prefer it to Birdman, if we're talking in Aratu movies. Is that right, hey? Yeah, I The Revenant to me is a much better film. It is. It, I think for me, I liked the the world that I mean, I love both worlds because I'm a big fan of westerns and that the, that sort of outdoorsy sort of lifestyle. But the just having been in theater for so long, I liked the that that it was all entrenched in that theatrical world. But from a strictly filmic standpoint, I do agree that that The Revenant was a, a superior film for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so... It, it's gorgeous, and I know the crew hated working on it. There's so many stories, and there are so many articles all over the place about how it was a miserable experience for a lot of people, because it was so cold, mm-hmm. and hard, and long, and all of that, but it's it's great, so... Yeah, it's it's very good, and I know some people had a really, really great experiences working on it. Uh, a guy I used to work with was an extra in that film, and said he at one point got to meet... Uh, um, Inaratu is that his name? Is that how I pronounce it? Alejandro Gonzalez Inaratu. Inaratu. So yeah. yeah, he he got to meet him, and he said he was super rad. And uh, I can't remember some of the actors just beelined it right to their trailers when they were done shooting. But there was a couple like it might have been Tom Hardy who was just kind of hanging out and really really friendly to to some of the extras, and like didn't like obviously go for lunch with them or anything, but was super friendly and didn't just ignore them the entire time and thank them for their work and so I mean there are some people who really enjoyed the 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 process but I think it just depends on who you were and what your job was yeah an extra versus crew is very different totally exactly yeah so anyway so uh good 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 answer I'm I'm glad you brought that one up and I know there's some on your list that I either purposely purposefully left off or just (laughs) might have forgotten but that one was one that I forgot I'm glad that you brought it up Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I really liked it. Cool. Uh, okay, so my number eight is higher on Sean's list, so we're going to go back to Sean. 
and we're going to talk about it right now. Yeah. Right now. Uh, if we could afford the music cue, I would totally put it in right there. Yeah, but it's the the rights for that is pricey. So, so uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How can this not be on either one of our lists? I mean, I was really upset that it had to be this high on my list because or low. I don't know how you want to say it, but this this I, I couldn't get it ranked any better than this because I love all the other ones so much. But this movie is fantastic. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. It's probably um, this high on my list, or low, like you were saying, however mm-hmm. you want to put it, because it does feel a bit long. It does. It does drag out a little bit. I think it's a two and a half hour movie. Uh, Yeah, at least 160 minutes, I think. Is that what it is? I think so. Good, the... Bad and the ugly is according to IMDb two hours and forty one minutes. Yeah, so oh, nice. nice so one hundred and sixty one. Yeah, Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> uh, it's it it is a little long. the The beginning I could do it like it's always one of those movies. If I'm watching TV on a Saturday afternoon and that movie's on, I'll come in usually about halfway through and I'm pretty happy. But there's and it there's a lot. Feels like you're missing anything, right? Exactly. It's a western. Like you don't need. There's a lot of story in this, considering there's not a lot of story in this. Does that make sense? Yep. Like, it's it's literally just them. It's it's Eli Wallach and Clint Eastwood trying to find treasure that a dying person told them about. And Lee Van Cleef is trying to stop them. And that's basically the gist of it. But it takes a long time to get to anything. So, yes, yeah. it, does, it does drag out a little bit. But it's also... But it's I mean, still great. Yeah, exactly. It's the best of the Man <laughs> with No Name movies. It's yep. It's just it's a, it's a very good film and some great shootouts. And the I'm not gonna get into too much, but the explosion is pretty great. And yeah, it's um, I think it's a very good movie. My yeah, uncle finally just watched it for the first time about a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Although when he was younger, he got the man with no name soundtrack it was a soundtrack to a fistful of dollars few dollars more and the good them had the ugly he wanted the soundtrack but did not see the movie until he turned about 60 so that seems strange to me i know right very weird anyway he loved it i mean it's it's a classic clint eastwood broody movie right yeah so um is there anything else we can really say about that? I mean, it's been spoofed. It's been it's been referenced. I can't remember. Great what... poncho. Great poncho. Great poncho. I've actually, I uh, went as Clint Eastwood as the man with no name once for Halloween because I had a poncho. I was like, yeah, I can do that. It was a nice yeah. little throw together, throw together present. I can't remember, or uh, costume. I can't remember what I just watched, but something recently I saw and they totally spoofed the good the bad and the ugly and i don't know what it was but there's the the scene when they're in the the prisoner of war camp because this one takes place during the civil war and they're in the in the camp and there's the the musicians playing a bunch of different music and basically they're playing so that when there's somebody getting beat up inside the inside the the shack nobody else hears it and i can't remember what i was watching but i was like i know that music 
that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sure enough, like there, it, it was very much a, a spoof of the good and the bad, and the ugly. And it made me really happy because it's not exactly like the Mexican standoff at the end or the music or just the, the look of Clint Eastwood. All those have been spoofed countless times. But the yep. that one particular scene is like, wow, that is, that's a deep pull. So that was very cool. I just wish you knew what it was. I know. I'll have to think about it. It'll, it'll come to me in the middle of the night and I'll text you and let you know. And for all, all <laughs> listeners, I'll tweet it out once this airs or something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, my number seven is the remake, because a few of these are remakes, of 310 to Yuma. Ah. The one with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe and a bunch of other really good actors. Um, uh, the original was on my short list. Was it? Yeah. And I, I have yet to see the original. Okay. Who who's in that one? Uh, give me a second, and okay. I can find that out. Okay. Well, you look for that. I'll tell people. So basically, the idea is that Russell Crowe is a is a he and his his gang rob stagecoaches and everything like that. The and I think it might be the Pinkertons that they're robbing. And Russell Crowe ends up getting caught, and they need to take him to uh, a town in consumption. I think in in Arizona. I can't can't remember what the, the oh no consumption is what people have i don't remember what the name is anyway they're taking him <laughs> to a, a town in arizona to get him on the 310 train to yuma prison and christian bale plays a farmer a rancher whose ranch is basically gonna go under and so he volunteers to be one of the people to take uh, russell crowe's character ben wade to the the prison for a, a fee so that way he can afford to get his ranch up you know and, and running again and he had just right. lost his barn and and i think one of his cows died and you know he's just a rancher in a tough way so he does that to to go and um ben foster is is um russell crowe's second in command and so his gang is following the guys as they're taking them to to arizona or to this prison in arizona and it's uh it's a really really solid film um it took me a long time to see this one because i i don't know there's it just seemed weird that christian bale was doing a a western movie but it was it was a it's a really really solid film and a couple random cameos like uh, luke wilson has a five minute part in it just kind of randomly and uh yeah it's it's a really really good movie and some really hard moments to watch but i mean a lot of westerns are that way so definitely worth checking out uh, the original has Glenn Ford as okay. Ben Wade. Okay. Uh, Van Heflin plays Dan Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who Van Heflin is? No. Uh, you might recognize him. He was Shane. Oh, or okay. Or in Shane. Okay. He's a, he did a lot of westerns. He also okay. did Airport. I think he's one of those guys that if you looked up Van Heflin, you'd be like, oh, that dude. Like he's ben. never usually the lead. Yeah, no, but he I know is the one you're talking about. Occasionally, yeah, okay, yeah. I I'm just looking at a picture of him now, and I totally totally can figure out who that is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. Felicia Farr, Leora Dana, Henry Jones plays Alex Potter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Richard Jekyll plays the Charlie Prince. Nice, Charlie the Prince. Charlie that's Prince. the one that Ben Foster played. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Ben Foster's portrayal. I'm not sure. I'm looking at that Might. cast, gone and gone. Oh yeah, I'm not sure these people. I mean, they're all old timey actors, right? So I don't know. Uh, 
a well, lot yeah, the of original's them. from 57, so... Yeah, so... Henry Jones looks familiar. Like, there's some people who look very familiar, but there's some just like, uh, I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But no, I like the original. Okay, cool. So... Alright. And... I feel like I know Richard Jekyll now that I'm looking at it. I feel like you would... But again, he's one of those guys where it's like, oh yeah, from the Dirty Dozen, he plays like a sergeant or something. Yeah, I've seen the Dirty Dozen, but whether or not like I remember exactly what movie he was in, I don't, I don't know for sure. So it's just it's a it's a tough thing to figure out when it's kind of that those old characters, right? Yep. I'm looking, just trying to find because it looks like he did a bunch of westerns. I'm sure he was in another western that I've probably seen, and I'm probably, sure. Yeah. So anyway. Cool, so you're number six? Winchester 73. All right. What's that one? 1950. It is the journey... It is a movie about the rifle. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's the journey of... Because the Winchester 73... What what is that? I don't remember if it was just called the Winchester 1873. Okay. But it was the... Like, the rifle in the west at the time like once the the winchester the 73 winchester came out that mm-hmm. became the gun right. for most people because i think it was multiple shot rifle with a good distance and like it didn't wave as much as a lot of other rifles did sure. like, it was a big deal when this came out uh so essentially it follows the story of the rifle as it falls from one owner to another which parallels the search of a cowboy looking for a fugitive. Interesting. So it's so, about one particular gun. Yes. Like, not, not the brand, but one one particular... Okay. Yeah, so it, it follows the gun that Lynn McAdam, he's a marksman, he wins the gun, but then it gets stolen, and then that guy... So then it kind of follows the gun, but it's also Lynn McAdam, played by Jimmy Stewart, by the way. Nice. So yeah, the the stories of the rifle and McAdam trying to find, I don't remember if it was Wake, it might be Waco Johnny Dean. Okay. I think it was the bad guy. So it, it parallels the story to where Jimmy Stewart then gets his rifle back. Hmm. And it, that essentially the climax is him finally getting the fugitive he's trying to get and the rifle and him are all in the same place. Cool. It's real good. Is it a lever action rifle? Because those are like the coolest. I mean, they hold a lot of rounds. So the you know the ones that you pump from underneath instead of like a breech action or like a bolt action. If I remember right, yes. That would make the most amount of sense. Those were pretty popular rifles back, like pretty popular uh, Winchester seventy three rifle. Yes. I wonder if there is a photo of it. 1873. Yeah, totally a lever action. Those are the coolest yeah. looking guns. If I ever got a rifle, that would be the one that I would get. Would be I obviously maybe not that exact one because it would be a relic and stupid expensive. expensive now. Yes, but something along those lines where it's just like a, a lever action because they're just so fun to like that. I mean, guns are fun to shoot. Let's let's be serious here. They're they're fun if you're safe with them, and having a rifle like that that you could just kind of pop the rounds out like that would be oh man they're the coolest looking rifles and i don't know if it was the first lever action 
or if it was just the best one, like they right. finally got it right mm-hmm. with that one. But that's what made the '73 so important, and that's why there's this movie. I guess cool, very cool. It's will... it's really well told. Nice. I will try and track that one down. I mean, when it comes to westerns, I feel like those are these are ones where I'm going to be like, yes, all these movies that Sean mentioned, I will try and see. <laughs> Plus, it's a Jimmy Stewart western. So Which, how Jimmy can you Stewart go wrong, western, right? Exactly. Okay, so that's your number six. That's my number six. So my number six is also higher on Sean's list, which means it's break time, I guess. <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. Well, then our second half... <laughs> it's just half... such a weird way to get to break. It's like, <laughs> it my really number six is... is... Oh, th- that's never happened before, so huh? what can you do? Uh, well, what we could do is we could talk about Dash Jones's bone polish. Sure. Now, Dave, you mm-hmm. like having bones, right? I love having bones. Now, when was the last time you really took care to clean your bones? God, it has to have been at least before I moved. Well, Dash Jones's bone polish is your answer. Four out of five anthropologists agree that people who start using Dash Jones's bone polish today maintain 75% brighter, smoother, and sparkling bones. And it's just so easy to use! Just put on the protective apron, goggles, and gloves, and then generously snort as much as you physically can for 15 minutes every day. You have 15 minutes, right, Dave? Of course I do! They're your bones! That's Dash Jones's bone polish. We're number bone. What? B, uh, B, B one. B one. We're number b one. B one. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Yeah. And we're back. And because I didn't have them to talk about last time, and Sean went first. Uh, we're just going to bounce back to Sean. So, Sean, what's your number five? <laughs> I'm doing a lot There's of not talking so right now. There's just been so much Dave awesome. talking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just, just uh, sit back, have a sandwich. Or some ham. Nice. I like it. Bringing it back to an old podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all weave together. Right, exactly. Just, it all becomes one long podcast. My number podcast. five. Oh, yeah, exactly. If you're not listening to these back-to-back at all times, you're just, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, you're number five. Could you, hold on, we're on a tangent there. Could you imagine (laughs) sitting down and listening to, you could only get 80, there's 100 podcasts averaging an hour and 15 minutes apiece? (laughs) My God. Oh, man, that would be exhausting. Uh, If anyone has done it, please let us know. So we can send you internet high fives and fun memes. Totally, because you deserve it. But a hundred episodes yeah. straight of just listening to the two of us jackasses ramble on and on. Whew, that is... About nonsense and ham. Right, exactly. <laughs> and at one point they're just sitting there being like, when did when did they talk about ham last time? I feel like that just happened. And eventually it just m- turns into mush and somebody's just sitting there rocking, crying, trying to catch up. <laughs> with massive lists of movies to totally. watch. Totally. But I can't watch them because I have to finish listening to these podcasts. <laughs> how many How many days is that? A uh, hundred times, times one point. 90? Oh, yeah, okay. One hundred times ninety 
is 9,000... Just to give us an average. ...minutes divided by 24... Wait, 9,000 minutes. So then you would divide that by what? By how many minutes in a day? Sure. And how many minutes are in a day? 24 times 60 equals 1440. So what did I say? 9,000? 9,000. 9,000 divided by 1440. 6.25 days straight. Okay. But let's say they need to take three hours to sleep. So that's basically adding another... Day. Day on that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That would be... There is is a week of podcasts. Wow. It's uh, kind of awesome and kind of depressing all at the same time. Yeah. So if anybody wants to spend a week listening to us talk... Just a week straight listening to us talk. You're a better person than I. Now. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Well, to be fair, you do have to spend a week listening to yourself talk. That is true. And it's exhausting. So. <laughs> that, that's. <laughs> like, I don't know how anybody else can do it because I'm sick of it. So. And that's why you're not talking now and letting me go to my number five, which is Bone Tomahawk. What the hell is Bone Tomahawk? It is a horror western. Love it. That came out last year. Okay. Starring Kurt Russell. Amazing. Patrick Wilson. Okay. Matthew Fox. Nice. Richard Jenkins. Keep going. I'm going to look you up. Know, you definitely know Richard Jenkins. It's just he's another one of those character actors mm-hmm. who you see everywhere, like Cabin in the Woods and all that other stuff. Okay. But you just might not know the name. Oh, that guy. He plays uh, the dad in Step Brothers. Yes. That's what I mean. He's a character actor who you see everywhere, but you never think of his name. Right. Okay. Uh, David Arquette's in it for a little while. Sid Haig's in it. It's about four men who set out to rescue a group of captives who are captured by cannibals. <laughs> Okay. The cannibalistic cave-dwelling tribe. Weird. It's super good. I, I mean, it must be if it's uh, if it's in your top five. But also, I feel less guilty about having missed it because A, it's a new movie, and B, it's a horror. Oh, yeah. So I didn't realize that it was like a horror western. So, uh, amazing. I feel like you would really dig this one. Yeah. Because it is, it's a gritty, kind of gory western, but it is, at its heart, it is more western than horror, okay. but it's gory like a horror movie. Bone Tomahawk? Yes. Okay. Interesting. I saw it on Netflix. You did, hey? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Bone. This is one of those movies that, like, you look at that cast and go, how have I never heard totally. of this? But it just kind of snuck out. Okay. Like, all of us, it had a UK premiere, and then it was VOD, and then it was just kind of there. Oh, it's still on Netflix. Good oh, yeah. to know. I'm pretty sure they have the North American rights, actually. Amazing. So. Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's real good. I don't know why I didn't add uh, two, a, a bit over two hours. Yeah. But, no, I really, really liked it. Cool. I am adding it to... God damn it. Adding it to my watch list right now. Beautiful. Cool. Cool. My number five is the original Magnificent Seven with a little bit of a shout out to the new one. Okay. Mostly because I really like the new one as well, and it probably could have also made my list, but it seemed weird to have two Magnificent Sevens on the list. I found the new one a little long. Did you? 
I was wondering how... Because, like, how long is the original Magnificent Seven? I'm literally just going to look that up for you. Okay. Because the new one was over two hours. It was, like, 2.12 or something like that. Okay. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed the new mm-hmm. one, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the old one. Oh, okay. So it's the, the new one is literally only four minutes longer than the old one. Huh. Yeah. So it just felt longer. Maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind or something when I saw it. It could be. It also, it's, it is the same story. So it's something that you've already seen. It's just a different way of telling that same story, basically. Yeah, with new actors. and Right. So like it was, I think I still gave it like a seven and a half out of ten. Like I still really mm-hmm. liked the new one. It's just, I don't know. Fair. And sometimes that happens i i really enjoyed the new one i but one of the reasons why i enjoyed the new one so much is because on top of it being just a great movie and a really good cast i did find that there were some tips of the hat to the original like oh yeah there were a lot of the music was very similar to i think it was elmer bernstein who did the the movie the music for the magnificent seven but um there was a lot of Similarities, and there was definitely, and right at the end, they actually did the the original Magnificent Seven theme song, and so there's some. I really did appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah, and there were some lines pulled right out of the original movie. So anybody who was a fan of the original would have seen the new one and gone, "Oh my god, that is so such a tip of the hat." Whereas I find, in so many cases, when they remake a movie, they try to make it all of their own, but it's still a remake of the movie. Whereas why not pay some homage to? that the the movie that the, to the movie's predecessor, right? Right. And which in itself is an homage to a Japanese movie. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. And I'm not sure they did any homage to uh, the Seven Samurai. I'm not sure you can do that in two different genres, but we well the the basic premise it's the same. Yeah. Like it it is in, in itself such an homage to Seven Samurai that Anything more would just be kind of weird. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, if anybody hasn't seen the new one or the original or The Seven Samurai, if you haven't seen any of the three movies, it is basically there is a gang of outlaws who terrorizes this town and basically they come back and rob the town at the end of at the end of the, the harvest and take all the food and everything and leave just enough for the townsfolk to survive. And so this poor town goes and hires... They went to go buy guns, but instead they ended up getting gunfighters because gunfighters come cheaper than guns. Right. And so they hire seven gunfighters to come and protect their town. And it's an all-star cast. Uh, Steve McQueen and um, Yul Brenner and Charles Bronson and James Garner... <laughs> And Brad Dexter. Yul Brenner hates you so much right now put... for not saying his name first. <laughs> I know. I felt a little bad. But Steve McQueen <laughs> is my guy. Yeah. And again, I think that might also be why I was so much more in for the old one. Right. Than I was for the new one. Because it is Steve McQueen. Yeah. And it is, like, it's all that old. And it's when they were making Western, mm-hmm. so it felt more Western-y. For sure. And to me? I mean, like, I like Chris Pratt. I like Denzel. I like um, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke. And oh, definitely. Like, the, the, the cast was very good. It was fantastic. But I see Chris Pratt, and I think Star-Lord. Right. I think Jurassic World. I, I see Denzel. I think Training yeah. Day. I think Glory. I think Philadelphia. I see Ethan Hawke. I, I think, think Western. I think Training Day. I think 
uh, reality bites. Like I think all these different things. Whereas I see Steve McQueen, I think The Great Escape, and I think The Magnificent Seven. And I think westerns. Totally. Well, when I see Bronson, I'm thinking Death Wish and westerns. Like right. I'm th- I think of them as western mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. So it's like this combination of all of the these great western dudes, other than Jimmy Stewart or Glenn Ford or Randolph Scott. Right. And I didn't put John Wayne in there, but whatever. But sure. it, I think of a bunch of guys who did so many Westerns and were known for Westerns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. together. And I think that's so cool. And then the new one, it's just like, here's a bunch of really cool stars doing a Western. Totally. And that's, I like that they're still making Westerns. I, and I mean, there's kind of, sure. there's, it ebbs and flows. Like there's movies further down my list that I'll get to, but there was a time in the nineties where they were t- putting out a few Westerns at the same time. And so there was kind of a, a, a revisitation of the Western genre, but every couple of years you get a decent Western that comes out. And when you do, I'm, I'm really happy because they're usually pretty well made and the budgets are better. So you get to see cooler things, but there's just something about those because uh, the original Mag 7 came out in 1960. So, like, late 50s yep. to early 70s, that time period with the Westerns are just so good. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Like, if you had to suggest people see one of the two, the original, which would you suggest? Yeah. It, just because it's, it's classic, right? And the music is classic yep. and the performances are classic. And it, it, it is a little dated, but it actually still holds up fairly well because people are familiar with that era of westerns so yeah yep yeah mm-hmm. so yeah magnificent seven yeah that. that's that's my, my number five cool my number four was dave's number six yeah and that is the coen brothers true grit mm-hmm. we, which in itself is a remake of true grit yeah and i think <laughs> the john wayne film yeah and we talked about this one Fairly recently, when we did our top ten movies from the 2010 to 2014, yes, we did. Yep. So I don't know about you, but I don't feel like we really need to dwell on it because it's something that we've talked about recently. Uh, in case people totally. haven't heard that one yet, obviously go back and listen yeah. to it. But it is about a stubborn teenager, a girl, who enlists the help of a U.S. marshal to track down her father's murderer, uh, Haley Steinfeld as Maddie Ross in the new True Grit is spectacular. She is so good. She is, she might be the best part of that movie. And that's with an amazing performance from both Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon, not to mention Josh Brolin. Yeah. And even Barry Pepper was super good in that movie. Which one's Barry Pepper? Uh, he played lucky Ned Pepper. Oh, okay. That's oh nice. That works out fairly well. Yeah. I wondered if that was who it was that, okay, man, I've totally seen him in other things and didn't even consider that that was that that was the same guy. Like he's in Saving Private Ryan and The Green Mile, and I like looking oh, yeah. at his headshot. I'm like, I totally know who that guy is, but I didn't even think about him as Lucky Ned. My yeah. God, he was really good. In he that. was really good in that. I all of a sudden got way more respect for him because I just I didn't even consider that that was that was him playing Lucky Ned. Man. Yeah, fantastic! It was really good. Yeah, in it's it. it's a great film. So yeah, uh, obviously Dave and I both recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite westerns ever. Uh, don't waste your time with the old one. The Coen Brothers film is much much better. And I think the same thing. When we were talking about westerns last weekend or whenever it was, my dad 
said that he preferred the original. And I found that very surprising. Well, I don't know if he said he preferred the original. He just said he didn't love this version. I was like, what? Dad, I remember seeing this, and I thought you were floored by this one. But my dad also has a tendency to change his mind. Yeah. But I... It's your dad in movies. Right, exactly. We've talked about that a few times. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be worried about him correcting me, but he never listens to our podcast, so I don't have to worry about it. Oh, yeah, we're safe. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's it's totally worth checking out. Very, very good movie. Yep, do it. And it'd probably be easier to find than, say, the original Magnificent Seven. I would think so. Yeah, I last I yeah. checked, the uh, the remake of True Grit was on Netflix. Now, I don't know if it still is, but I have... Well, and also, we have Canadian Netflix, so who knows? Right. Because we have a, a such an American-slash-Canadian audience. Right. The, it's hard for us to be like, yeah. Yeah, as of our recording this, it is still on the Canadian Netflix. So who the hell knows, you know, by between now and when this comes out, whether or not that will change. Netflix has a tendency to change things at the drop of a hat. But as of right yeah, now, it is still available. Happen. So anyway, uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Love that movie. Cool. My number four is The Ola Josie Wales. So right. another Clint Eastwood movie... Um, I think I'm 99% sure he directed this one. Uh, uh, you talk, I'll look that okay. up for you. Basically, Josie Wales comes home one day and finds that he his house is burning down and his family has been murdered. So basically the start of 50% of the Western movies out there. And he goes <laughs> on the warpath and basically tries to get vengeance and kill all the people who did this to him. And as a result, there's a, another sect of people who are trying to stop Josie Wales and his gang so his gang kind of runs amok and then as it turns out they 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 recruit these guys and they're gonna all these these guys on Josie Wales gang and they're like okay we're, we're not gonna do this anymore and we're gonna sign an agreement that we're done and anyway Josie Wales doesn't sign and he goes on the warpath and and uh, goes into hiding on one of the the reserves and meets a, an old Indian fella and like their relationship is amazing and yeah. it's it's a really good movie. There's some really funny moments and some really charming moments. And Clint Eastwood is his badass self. And, I mean, it's a movie about revenge and the revenge that one gets when they see their family murdered. So, yeah. Uh, he did direct okay, it? Okay, that's what I thought. So, I'm pretty sure it's one of his first directing forays. But it's a very well done movie. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. is. Um, he plays a confederate, though, does he not? Is that not a civil war? It is civil war, so I can't remember. Yeah, cause the well, because the people he's trying to track down are Union soldiers. Oh, I forgot about that yeah. part. Because I know it's civil war, and I just yeah. couldn't remember which side he was on or anything like that. So it, you know, there's a little, little different take. A there. lot of the, well, a lot of the westerns, especially of the revenge thing, were about that side right where the union has done has wronged a farmer mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. right so well and considering because that did happen yeah a lot. totally well and considering clint's senility in the last couple of years and the whole talking to president obama's chair and all those weird stunts that he's pulled i'm not overly surprised that he would have portrayed the confederate side but at the same time he's also just those were the stories that came about right so it makes sense oh yeah yeah, yeah. Alright, so that's my number four. Cool, my number three is my Quentin Western. 
and that is the Hateful Eight. Ah, uh, see, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, Dave. and I know I forgot that you put that one higher than Django. Oh yeah, this one, my second Kurt Russell western. Amazing. <laughs> And another Western from 2015 slash 2016, because it came out... Kind of on, right in that like, cusp New Year's period. Eve. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, same as Bone Tomahawk. Kurt Russell, two Westerns in, like, three weeks. Wow, good for him. So it is about... It's in the dead of winter, mm-hmm. which I love. So few Westerns are set in winter. True. Um, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a whole bunch of random characters right uh the cast is fantastic Mm -hmm. as is what usually happens tarantino's casts tend to be yeah so samuel l jackson of course of course kurt russell as i said jennifer jason lee is fantastic in it man she had a little bit of a resurgence hey thanks to this yeah the hateful eight really helped as Quentin always does, where it's like, man, you haven't done a lot lately. And then all of a sudden you're in a Quentin Tarantino movie, well, and all of a sudden, bam. Isn't that how John Travolta basically respawned his career, was through Pulp Fiction? Pretty much. Yeah. So. Speaking of all Samuel L. Jackson. Right, yeah. Tim Roth is fantastic in it. God, I love Tim Roth. He's usually just fantastic. Yeah. Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern. So a lot of a lot of like, Quentin Tarantino regulars there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that is literally all it is, is trying to figure out if some of the people in this cabin are working for the bounty hunter's prisoner or not. Right. So it's a lot of like a, it's very tense, but there's also that cabin fever element because it is a blizzard sure. in the dead of winter in the flats of Wyoming. So they can't really go anywhere. No, I mean, I spent a couple, well, like five or so days in Wyoming in the middle of the summer and I could just see if if you get hit with a with a blizzard there's nowhere to go you find shelter and you stay hunkered down so yeah huh interesting uh, it is fantastic obviously it's my third favorite western of all time yeah well and that's the thing like it's our, these lists as we start saying it's like oh this movie's great of course it's great it's on our top 10 but more specifically it's in our top five. It's got to be good. So, yeah, I, it's yeah. one of those ones that I know I need to see and will at some point check it out. Because I love Westerns and I love Tarantino. So it's kind of absurd that I haven't watched it yet. But, you know. A little yeah. bit. Anyway, I'll get Actually, there. Yeah. 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 My number three is the last of the Clint Eastwoods on my list. It's Unforgiven. So, oh. I mean, it's a... It's a Oscar-winning movie. He directed it. He stars in it. It's just... Yep. It's it's really good. So, basically, a couple hookers in one town, and I can't remember what the name of the town is offhand, they... Well, one hooker gets, gets cut up and beat up, and so the rest of them pay to have people come and kill the guys who did it to her. And as right. a result, Gene Hackman, who plays just a yet another wonderful terrible evil character yeah puts in a law that wait wait wait. big whiskey that's the town yeah 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 nice very nice did you look that up did you just remember that i was in the middle of typing in unforgiven and i was like wait yeah isn't it yeah it is big whiskey that's that's really well done um so anyway they they put an ordinate in the town that you can't carry guns and so then that's gonna 
supposed to help these guys. So anyway, or help keep these guys protected. Anyway, this right. kid goes and tracks down Clint Eastwood, who is whose name is William Money, and he was kind of the meanest old, the meanest guy who ever was around the 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 old West and. And he was just this killer and ruthless, and so he tracks him down because he wants to to enlist his help to kill these guys and get the money. And then he split it. You know, they're going to split it fifty fifty. And anyway, uh, Clint Eastwood decides to go do this, and he enlists the help of his friend Morgan Freeman. So the three of them go to this town, and you know, it's just the the how how they get to trying to kill these guys and dealing with Gene Hackman, and it's just it's vicious and brutal and. Oh my god, it's it's a hard movie to watch, but it's so good. And I mean, Clint was pretty old at that time. I think that was ninety two. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't old, old, but old enough. And but his character is old in the movie, and so that kind of helps to further the story. And it's it's just it's a really good film. Like it, there's a reason why it won the best Oscar. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. good. And I you mean, you know me, I'm not I'm not a huge Clint Eastwood directing fan. Right. I. I'm not a huge fan of his style, so I obviously don't like it as much as you do, but I do appreciate Unforgiven. It's a good film. Sure. Um, three Oscars. I'm just wondering what else was nominated what with... What beat? Yeah. So... Ba, 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 ba. Oh, God damn it. That's and make sure you got the right one. Yeah. Because it's the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it came out in 92, so... Um, so it should be 93. Yeah, that's what I'm looking up right now. Wikipedia is just okay. Here we go. So best picture, it beat. Oh man, the scent of a woman. Eh, Howard's End. Okay, a few good men and okay. the Crying Game. Hmm. So you know some really good competition there, and I mean I've seen most of those movies. I don't think I've seen Howard's End yet, but the rest of those they're great. I uh, the scent of a woman's okay, but most of those movies are really good so it could have gone any way like i like the scent of a woman but i don't love the scent of a woman anyway we're getting off on a tangent that is completely unrelated to westerns it it well but to be fair we could also if people wanted cuz we did this a few times in the last podcast we could just talk about a single movie that's true for like half an hour that is very true like if people wanted us to do that yeah. people want us to talk about the scent of a woman I'd be happy to. I sup- we we could. Yeah. I I prefer some other choices if but we could do it. Yeah, or I mean if people said, "Okay, this movie won best picture in 1995." I don't know. I I thought you were just going to be able to pull that out of a hat. I don't know what it is, but like <laughs> So Forrest, so Forrest Gump. For 1995 or in 1995? Did it come out in 95 or did it come out in 94? Dave, I, I can't I know, just. I know. There are multiple movies there. But we could, you know, if somebody said, hey, this this movie won the best picture in 1995. So it came out in 1994. Talk about the category of best picture that year and discuss whether or not you think that movie deserved to win. Like we could do, like. The different types of topics we could do are endless. Oh, yeah. So that would be, I mean... That's, <laughs> I guess we just keep giving people more ideas. Right? That way our list gets longer. Exactly. And then we answer one a week while we get six more. Yeah, so... <laughs> so if you're talking about the movie that work. won in 1995 for 1994, you were right, it is Forrest Gump. Gump. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, anyway, what what came out in 1995 that won in 96? Oh... Uh, Philadelphia was the year before Braveheart. Oh, that makes sense. 
could be. Anyway. <clears throat> Super little tangent. Unforgiven's great. It's dark. <laughs> it's definitely not as lighthearted as some of the other movies on my list or Westerns or can mine. be. But it's uh, it's a good movie and definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. My number two. Is my number two. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I forgot that we had a, a, one more uh, parallel here. Speaking of... Yeah, well, we match exactly. Right? That never happened. Well, it happens on occasion, but... On occasion. Yeah. It's... Speaking of lighthearted movies, this one's Ish. way... Well, way more lighthearted than Unforgiven. Sure, yes. But also, just the 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 back and forth and the, the relationship between Butch and Sundance is very... Like, it's a professional working relationship, but it, their, their interactions are great. And, like, it's just... It's got that typical Paul Newman delivery. Yep, it does. So it's the second of two Paul Newman and Robert Redford movies. Um, so yep, it's it's Paul Newman who plays Butch Cassidy and and Robert Redford who plays the Sundance Kid, and they're bank robbers, and they also rob stagecoaches. And when they rob the stagecoach, they are on they they end up getting chased by was it. Um, E.H. Harriman, he's the he's the one who who owns the the railroad, and he resents that Butch Cassidy and Sundance Butch and Sundance have been picking on him essentially, and so they they he sends like this crack squad of guys to to kill Butch and Sundance. Yep. Um. So it's basically their exploits and yeah. Robin stuff and going to Bolivia yeah. and yeah. based on the story of Butch and Sundance, and so I mean some of it is fairly factual and some of it is obviously a stretch to be Hollywoodized, but uh, it's, yes. a, it's a great film. I This is one of those ones, when, when I was saying it, when you were talking about Little Big Man, when I, was, when I was a young kid and we would do family movie nights, this was one of the movies we watched as a family movie, and that's when I fell in love with it. And it's been one of my favorite westerns ever since, and one of my favorite movies ever since, and when we inevitably do our top 100 movies of all time, it will be way high up on my list, because I love it so much. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So... No, it is. It is very good. Yeah. It's... You said this was the second of, the second. What? Uh, Paul, you said this was the second Paul Newman and Robert Redford movie. Yeah. What was the first the one? Sting. Which came out four years later. Did it? Yes. Oh. The Sting's from nineteen seventy three. I, cause Robert Redford's so young in the Sting. I've I, for some reason I just always assume that the Sting came out first. <laughs> He's actually uh, five years older in this day because Butch and Cassidy comes out in 69. That's so weird. He just plays such a, like, because he's so green in this thing, right? So, huh. Well, that's my bad. Acting. Well, yeah, fine. Anyway. <laughs> uh, just for fun, because we've talked about Butch and Sundance so many times mm-hmm. um, between the two of us. Dave, I would like you to guess what the meta score is. From Metacritic.com for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Is that just like the rating? Uh, yeah, the overall critics critics rating. Do you not use Metacritic? No, I don't. Um, uh, Metacritic uh, amalgamates all a bunch of the major uh, review outlets okay. for music and video games and movies and stuff. Okay. And so they give an aggre- aggregate score out of 100 based on what all of the reviews give for their score. Okay. And they fudge it a little bit, but it gives you a general idea of what the critical consensus is. The critical consensus of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. 
Yes, and what we're so the way we're gonna do this, yeah. just for funsies, because mm-hmm. we haven't done a game yet today, and we like to do to those like on the games. podcast. Yeah, I've actually been getting some feedback where it's like, man, I really like it when you you guys have that guessing game or try and predict stuff. Nice. So there you go. So we're gonna give you three guesses. And I'm gonna give you a higher or a lower. Okay. 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 And we're gonna see how close you can get to what the Metacritic score is. Okay. So again, it's out of a hundred. Hundred being the best movie ever. Zero being, uh, like Manos Hands of Fate. Okay. Sixty-three. Lower. Forty-seven. Higher. Fifty-one. Ah, uh, fifty-eight. Really? Fifty-eight out of a hundred. I was surprised that you went as low as 63 for your first guess. The only reason I did was because it seemed like it was a little bit of a red herring. That it was just like... The the way you brought that up is like, if he's asking me this, I'm guessing it's not ranked really high by the critics. And so I figured it was going to be... That was the only reason. Like, if we would have done this for every movie, like, if it would have been like, okay, what do you think the the meta score for Magnificent Seven or the True Grit, then I would have, I would have gone probably 85 just because it would have been a little bit less out of left field. But because, because we did it strictly for this one, I was like, I think critics ranked it lower than it should be. So. Yeah. Well, there are a bunch of Considering people have given it, what, like an 8-1? Something like that. Probably on IMDb. Yeah. 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 I'm just double checking now, but. Um, Sunday. Well, I just thought that that would also be a good one to do it on as we map. Totally. So it was just to give us something else to chat about. Yeah, for sure. Oh damn it! No, that's not what I want to do. Uh, eight point one. Jeez, did you look at that or did you just guess that? Because that was spot I was on. sitting okay. on. <laughs> I was sitting on IMDb, but I had flipped away to check the monitor. Okay. I so all I was doing was trying to remember something I literally just <laughs> okay, saw. Okay, good. Because I was like, that is spot on. Uh. <laughs> hey, I'm still proud that I almost nailed that running time. I know, that was... That I was a minute off. That was really impressive. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, well, we're we're getting to the end here. So we've each got number one left. I know what yours is. Yep. And you know what... I mean, I told you, you but you would have known what mine is anyway. Um, oh, yeah. I know how much you love that movie. Yeah. Anybody who knows Sean or who has listened to... Some of the other podcasts, because it's been brought up before, will know this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, without further ado, Sean, what's your number one movie? It's Blazing Saddles. What? Because it's Blazing Saddles, and I love Blazing Saddles it's, so much. It's so good. It would have been on my list, but I knew that Sean was going to talk about it. So it, I was like, well, this gives me an excuse to put Django on there or something else, right? Like, it was just one of those ones that's like, yeah, it will get brought up. I don't gives, have to worry it, about it falling through the cracks. It gives you an extra space as well because the only other movie that could have been number one for me would be Butch and Sundance. Right. So it's just like those are the two that I pick between for my top ten westerns. Mm-hmm. And Blazing Saddles wins because Blazing Saddles. It's just – it's funny. It's ridiculous. It's totally tongue-in-cheek. It's Mel Brooks doing what he does best at – And at its heart, yeah. it's actually a pretty good western. It really is. It's a a sheriff rides into town to protect it from bandits, mm-hmm. and a corrupt politician 
is trying to get the railroad to purchase the land, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, it is it is such a quintessential Western story, but done by Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. With Gene Wilder, as is amazing in it. I love Madeline Kahn. Oh, she's so good. So much. Yeah. Yeah. She's so tired. <laughs> and she's so tired. The ending is ridiculous. Oh, it that when it bursts into the musical oh my God. side and they go to see the movie and then they ride off into like it just ah. <laughs> oh. And then that line, you do it for Randolph Scott and all of the townspeople, all of whom are named Johnson, which makes me super happy because they're all Johnson. And they do that blood of beasts thing that we like in that (laughs) town. Do you remember that town meeting where they're like, Howard Johnson's right. We should listen to Daryl Johnson. Yeah. 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 But all of them, uh, you do it for Randolph Scott and then like a choir kicks in and they all stand up and take off their hats and put it over their hearts <laughs> and that sort of thing. It's like, you're right, we do it. And that's what convinces them to stay to help. Because of that line, I have gone out and I have now seen three Randolph Scott Westerns. Really? Because I had no idea. I had never seen one. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> now I do. And now I've seen three of them. I have another one on my PVR. And none of them made my guys from 10. But... They're still pretty good. Nice. That is, I mean, and that's the thing is you get these little hints here and there and it's just, I mean, Mel Brooks draws reference to himself in the, um, in Robin Hood Men and Tights where they said a black sheriff. He said, well, why not? It worked in Blazing Saddles. So like he's totally breaking and down that. like, oh yeah. Yeah. So he's totally breaking that fourth wall or, you know, it's it becomes meta in a sense and it's just like. Well, I mean, you do it for Randolph Scott. People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So if that's making you go and watch <laughs> Randolph Scott movies, then he's achieved his purpose. Yeah, it totally did. Yeah. And Amazing. it's just, it's a good Western. It's a funny Western. It's a Western. really good Western. Yeah, it's it's really good. I love that movie. I'm glad that you have it on your list so that I could not have to put it on mine. Because I would have had, had <laughs> you not. So. Yeah, but for you it would have been, what, like seven-ish probably? Somewhere around there, yeah. Somewhere around there, so... So why not get it a little bit higher? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. My number one... It's been my number one Western for many, many years. Something would would have to be very, very good to supersede it. It's Tombstone. Another Kurt Russell Western. Although the first on my list, so... um, It's... It's spectacular. It's... um, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell plays uh, Wyatt Earp, and Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday. There's also the movie Wyatt Earp that came out around the same time with Kevin Costner, which is, in my opinion, not nearly as good. But it's fair enough. It's I mean, Doc uh, Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. That might be his best role he's ever played. Although Gabe Harry is also pretty great. Um, uh, Michael Biehn as Johnny Ringo and. Uh, I can never remember his name off the top of my head, but he plays Curly Bill. There's just there's tremendous performances. It's it's edgy. It's got the gunfight at the OK Corral. It's got a sweet shoot a gunfight between uh, Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo. Um, it's just it's in my opinion everything a western should be. And I mean Sam Elliott is one of the coolest guys ever. And he's in it, and Bill Paxton, God rest his soul, he's in it. Like, there's just, there's so many great performances in it, 
and tremendous tre- tremendous actors and and it's isn't Charlton Heston in it? He's got a really, really br- brief role in it. He plays Henry Hooker, and at a certain point they go to oh, um, Doc Holliday is sick because he's dying of because he's got tuberculosis and he falls off his horse. So they go to Henry Hooker's place to basically drop off Doc Holliday because he's sick. Um, but he yeah, right. so he's in it for about two minutes. Um, yeah, but I mean like a young Jason Priestley is in it and uh, Billy Zane, and it's just. There's people who kind of sprout up all over. Billy Bob Thornton has a two-minute part in it. It's just, it's <laughs> random people show up in, at random times, and it's great. Were you trying to remember uh, Powers Booth? Powers Booth, that's the one, yeah. 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 I don't know a okay. lot of the other things he's done, but I know he was also in Deadwood, so he kind of does his Western thing as well. But uh, yeah, Powers Booth is Curly Bill. He's he's great. I always remember him because of Sin City. Because he's Senator Rourke in right, Sin City, right? Of course, I always I always forget that he's in Sin City until I'm watching it and I see the credits and I'm like, Powers Booth. Oh yeah, he's the senator. Of course he is. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and I'm I'm like a I'm pretty big into Sin City. Mm-hmm. I have the book, right? All of it, right? Now, Dave. Yes. You had mentioned Deadwood. Hmm. Did you hear that HBO's uh, talking about making a movie? What? I, I yeah. What uh, came out? The yeah, that news was in Variety. Um, I think at the end of July, <clears throat> they talked about. <clears throat> you okay? Breathe. I'm good. Breathe. I'm good. I'm good. It's just <laughs> that's one of those shows where it ended so abruptly that it left everybody wanting more. Well, David Milch, because he was the creator of Deadwood, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He delivered a script to the head of OP, uh, Original Programming. Okay. At HBO. And he wanted... Now, by he, I mean the head of Original Programming, wanted a script that could stand on its own. Okay. But would also be accessible and something that viewers from the series that ended 11 years ago would still enjoy. Now, you have to just kind of brace yourself, though, because this is still super preliminary. Like, they'd have to figure out if they could get that cast. They'd have to figure out a budget. All of that sort of stuff. But there is a script from the guy who created Deadwood to do a Deadwood movie, and it is lurking. So there there is some little bit of movement there that would be amazing i would love that so big yeah i know you would. at least just to get some That's closure even if it up. wasn't like if, if it could stand on kind of like um serenity and firefly oh sure yeah from what i understand i haven't seen all of firefly or the movie serenity but the same sort of ideas that like they can stand on their own but they also can work well together yeah Oh man, that would be pretty sweet. So, uh, yeah, I figured you brought it up, and you were talking about Tombstone, and I know it's not the same thing, but they do have those connections, kind of. Totally, totally worth bringing up because I mean so. it's still it's it's all western. So, and I mean if I could if I could put TV shows as movies, then Deadwood would have been on here somewhere, but you know you can't so. I'd have had to find something else to do. Anyway. 
Exactly. That's excellent, excellent information. Thank you for that. I've already passed it along to another friend. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's our list. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I, I thought I'd end with, with that. Perfect. Great place to end. And I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at... That was a weird pause, Dan. I know. I was trying to remember what came next. <laughs> but... <laughs> Wait, what's my Twitter? No wonder no one talks to you on it. You don't even know where it is. Thanks for calling me out on that, Sean. You're a real pal. You're welcome. <laughs> Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with you. And we are at Guys From Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com, Facebook us at The Guys From, or make a Western. If we've learned anything from today's podcast, it's that I love me some Westerns. In that Western, have your question as like a newspaper headline or something that the that the newsie is making with the, the printing press and all that. And it could be really cool and at least a little subtle. You know, it doesn't, or like a wanted poster, but actually have the question or anything, whatever. Just have it kind of somewhere off in the back background nice and subtle anyway make it obvious enough that i can see it and sean might watch it too because sean somewhat likes westerns and uh, he might see the question too and if either one of us sees it there's a chance we might answer it true although i think you have a better chance of us answering it if it is written on the back of a poncho also true if you enjoy the guys from podcast tell anyone you can any way you can and the best thing you can do to help us out is to leave us a rating or a review or both on apple podcasts we're available essentially everywhere podcasts are found and i'm going to continue adding places if you guys are asking for them Mm -hmm. hey dave is there anything you wanted to plug not like westerns at all you should check out ozark on netflix it's possibly jason bateman's best work it's super dark and really edgy and really interesting to watch and it's a netflix original that i've seen kind of right when it got going so that's cool anyway definitely worth checking out sean on our website www.theguysfrom.com aside from hosting this cow podcast we also write articles on things like music that's indie music every weekday throwback tracks every thursday gaming stuff movie stuff occasionally south park's probably coming you name it we probably write about it man i would really like to check that stuff out where can i find that www.theguysfrom.com ah of course and as is tradition whenever we do a list i always say this at this point in the podcast. But if you have not seen some of the movies on either one of our The Guys From 10 lists, do check them out. We stand by them all. We like them. Especially, especially our top three. Yeah. Also, way to bring back The Guys From 10. I don't want to lose that. I like that idea. No, that's a really good idea. We just forgot to talk about it at the beginning. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. And also special thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our takeout music called Fearless First, as well as today's ad music called Off to Osaka. This has been episode 197 of the Guys From Podcast, Yahoo! Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing but the open range, big crystal blue skies with no clouds, wavy grass, accountants. Where are you going with this? Nowhere.
So as is tradition, mm-hmm. when we usually do these, uh, the guys from Ten lists, mm-hmm. for our end lore, we always talk about the worst or our least favorite of whatever topic we are doing. Yeah. So, Dave. Yes. What is your least favorite Western? <sighs> Sean, I like Westerns. True. But there's been so many bad ones that I've seen. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple that I don't like, and then I'll give you the my last one, which is the one that I'm going to go with. Uh, Young Guns 2, real bad. Yep, that is real bad. I, yeah, I guess technically City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, would also be a uh, Western, because it's on here technically? as a Western. So sure. technically, sure. Uh, the Mask of Zorro, not great. Not great. Uh, Wild Wild West, also not great. But, but my least favorite, my least favorite on this list is uh, American Outlaws. Oh, <laughs> sure, yeah. You lived in Res, right? I sure did. Yeah. Do you remember Legacies, the the little restaurant that was kind of down beneath the the dining center? Yeah, they made really solid pizza late. Yeah, yeah. You could order pizza into residence through Legacies, and they had awesome nachos, and you can go and play pool and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was. I was kind of sweet on one of the girls who worked there for for a year, and so I'd go and hang out there, and I would just sit at the bar and have some drinks and and watch the watch whatever was on. And one day, American Outlaws was on, and I was sitting there watching. It's like, oh, cool! It's a western. Colin Farrell and Scott Kahn and Ali Larder. Like, it's got to be great. Uh-huh. Oh my god, it's bad. <laughs> it's... Oh my god, it's bad. Yeah, and it's historically inaccurate. It ends with Jesse James living happily ever after. Yeah. So, like, the rest of it was not great. But the fact that it ended like that, it instantly soured me on the rest of the movies. Like, if you're going to do a effing movie... I know we're uncensored now, but if you're going to do a goddamn movie about Jesse James, end it the way it should end with him freaking dying. <sighs> Or at least say Jesse James was shot in the back by Robert Ford, however you want to do it. But don't have them swimming in the ocean in Florida and make everybody think that Jesse James lived happily ever after. Didn't there used to be a war in that movie? (laughs) All right, you had your chance, or you've been warned. (laughs) So that's mine. Sean? Casablanca, the killing spree ending. What? Uh, put me out of my misery. Sean, what's your least favorite Western? Uh, as much as I was hoping that it, this would be a chance for me to talk about Billy the Kid versus Dracula, which, man, <laughs> I was so hopeful. <sighs> there was also, there was a monster movie that I was thinking about talking about as well, where a cowboy has to fight a dinosaur to save the cattle. But those, okay. but those weren't as bad as Wagons East. And it pains me to say that. Oh my god! But is that Matthew uh, Matthew Perry and oh no, is that no no that's a different one? But I know John Candy, right? Yeah, it was John Candy's last film. John he passed Candy. away while yeah, they were okay. filming it. So mo- like right. most of his part was done, but they needed a stand-in for a couple of things, and like he passed away while doing it. Which is super sad, and I love John Candy, and I love John Candy movies, but this one was awful it's about in the 1860s wild west where a bunch of settlers decide that they want to move back to the cities so they hire grizzled cowboy john candy to drive their wagon train east Mm -hmm. i i remember it i don't have it rated 
it's pretty bad though. Like John Candy and Richard Lewis is in it. Like there's some really really good talent in it. Oh yeah, like, and it's it from the sounds of it, it's like oh this could be like a fun fish out of water. It's a bunch of nerdy big city people in the old west. That could be funny, and it's got John mm-hmm. Candy. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it was not great. It just... The one I was thinking... Sorry, the one I was thinking of was Almost Heroes. Oh. Which is... Why? Yeah, that was... Uh, well, because it's, it's not... It, it, it's about, like, guys who are on a, on a big expedition, right? Like, so it's fat comedians who died young, and it's a movie about them, like... Basically, so it's Matthew Perry and... and Farley's um, in that too, isn't he? Chris Farley, yeah. yeah Chris, And that's what I... So I was like, I knew it was a fat comedian in kind of a, a movie of this time period. It's just I couldn't remember what, what it was. Because Almost Heroes was... Uh, that was about um, Lewis and Clark, Two guys right? whose mission was to beat Lewis and Clark, yeah. yeah. That, so, I mean, they're going the opposite direction, but... It wasn't... It wasn't as bad as Wagons East. <laughs> it it no. wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. Like, Almost Heroes wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. No. No. Yeah. Maybe someday, so, Dave, that's, we will um, be able to talk about Billy the Kid versus Dracula. But that day is not today. God, I hope so. When we do our Western crossover movies. <laughs> I could talk about like Bone Cowboys Tomahawk versus again. Aliens. I could talk about Cowboys versus Aliens. We could talk about... Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm sure we could come up with that. I'm sure we could. Anyway. Yeah. Someday. Someday we'll get to it. 